I'm Haley B. Miller, and this is Ohio Politics Explained, a podcast where you give us 15 minutes and we give you all the news you need to sound smart and impress your friends. Welcome back to another episode of Ohio Politics Explained, the Big Tech, Big Tobacco edition. This week, we're discussing the latest on House Bill 68, what's happening with Ohio's new social media law, why Matt Borges wants his conviction thrown out, and how lawmakers want to protect kids from tobacco. I'm joined today by Jesse Balmer. Thanks for having me. Our first topic today is House Bill 68, which is the bill that would restrict transgender medical care for minors and block transgender girls from female sports. Republicans in the Ohio House voted yesterday to override DeWine's veto of the bill, which really wasn't much of a surprise. Lawmakers who back this say it's needed to protect kids and level the playing field for female athletes. This legislation will help protect children, and sometimes we must protect them even from themselves. This will stop the practice of transitioning children prematurely and get them the mental health support that they need as they go through these difficult situations. The debate got very intense. Transgender Ohioans showed up to protest the vote, and up in the House gallery, people were shouting murderer when the vote was done. And with this vote to override the governor's veto today, you are literally killing our children. Take that in for a moment. Literally killing our children. All to win your Republican primary races. Disgusting. Jesse, what happens now? Yeah, so this is halfway done with the override and it goes over to the Ohio Senate which is expected to also override the governor's veto. After that point, the bill would take effect in 90 days after that is done. So it could be, you know, even the end of the month when uh, Ohio lawmakers kind of deal this big rebuke to Governor Mike DeWine. And at the same time that all of this is happening, DeWine proposed rules dealing with transgender medical care. He issued this executive order banning gender transition surgery on minors. And that was kind of an effort, I think, to prevent this veto override from happening. That obviously didn't work. And it sounds like he's sticking with that plan regardless of what the legislature does. Yeah. So the hospitals have said that these surgeries weren't happening on minors anyway. And so maybe DeWine was offering this just to say, hey, just in case or in case someone thinks about it going forward, will prevent this from happening. He also proposed a number of other rules that could affect adult transgender individuals' ability to obtain care. And we'll see kind of the rulemaking process, how uh, cumbersome or how many barriers that puts up. When you're talking with Governor Mike DeWine, he said that the goal was not to restrict access to needed health care. And some of that could get sorted out in the rules making process, but that'll take time to really find out. Yeah. And, you know, like you said, these could change. But as the drafts stand right now, I think a lot of people are really freaked out by this. The rules say that your provider needs to have a contractual relationship with an endocrinologist, a psychiatrist, a medical ethicist, which on that front, I don't think I knew that was a thing until last week. And, you know, critics of this rule are saying that there are only there aren't an abundance of these specialists. And, you know, I was poking around earlier and it looks like Cleveland Clinic, Cincinnati Children's and OSU have all these specialists on hand. But I don't know that every single provider offering 
gender affirming care is going to be able to just hop on the phone and call up a medical ethicist. Yeah. And as usual, a lot of these kind of specialists tend to be focused in the cities or your higher population areas. So what does that mean for individuals who might live outside of those areas? There's always a concern about healthcare access generally. I think the governor also really focused on this medical care aspect of it. There was another part of this that dealt with transgender athletes being able to participate in female sports. And that was seemed like a sticking point for a number of lawmakers when they were talking about it on the floor. Yeah, that was a big deal to them. It's a little unclear to me at this point if House Bill 68 takes effect, what this means for the transgender girls who are currently approved to play girls high school sports. There are seven of them for this school year. If the Senate overrides later this month, the bill, the law would go into effect like March, early April, I think. And so that's still an open question and not something that lawmakers have a great answer for at this point. Yeah. And I think just overall um, LGBTQ advocates who are there just feel disheartened that these are the policies that are going to be in effect in Ohio and that just kind of their ability to live in this state is in question. So our next topic for today is Ohio's new parental consent law for social media. As part of last year's two-year budget, lawmakers passed a new policy that would require kids under 16 to get documented permission from parents to use social media and gaming platforms. So think Facebook, Snapchat, TikTok, YouTube, things like that. It was supposed to take effect Monday, but that's not happening now. Yeah, correct. Um, A group that represents kind of the trade interests of Facebook, Instagram, other social media, filed a lawsuit last week and uh, U.S. District Court Judge um, Marbley issued a ruling earlier this week saying that he's going to put this on hold, put the law on hold for at least a couple of weeks until they're able to have a hearing on the issue in early February. Part of his ruling was just that this was a little ambiguous and maybe too broad on what social media could be restricted, when it could be restricted, um, how you were able to even enforce this for teens. Um, you know, if parents have to give the sign off, like how much would be required there? And that's really in line with some of the other lawsuits that have been brought in other states. And so this is really getting litigated state by state across the nation. Yeah, I think... One specific part of the law says e-commerce websites are not included in the law. But beyond that, there really are not a lot of definitions for what a social media platform entails in this situation. And I think there are references to message boards and things like that, which I don't even know if that's a thing anymore other than like Reddit, maybe. Possibly. I don't find myself on a lot of message boards, and I think probably Gen Z finds themselves on even fewer message boards, but we'll we'll see. Um, I think the heart behind this particular legislation is concern about social media access among young adults and teens and just a lot of evidence that that can really do a number on your mental health and development, Um, something that the companies have at least a little bit acknowledged and are taking a couple steps to try to address. But are they doing enough um, is the question. Yeah, I think ultimately 
this seems like something that needs to be addressed federally if it's going to be addressed at all. I think these lawsuits are showing that it's really hard to do kind of a patchwork approach to this when you're dealing with social media platforms that are available nationwide. They know no boundaries. Ohio's rules may be different than Arkansas or something, but it's it's just really hard to keep this kind of universal. Agreed. Okay, let's pivot now to Matt Borges. A quick refresher, he was the Ohio Republican Party chairman who got convicted last year as part of the House Bill 6 scandal. A judge sentenced him to five years in prison, but he thinks his conviction should be tossed out. It sounds like his basic argument is that feds overstuffed. Is that about right? Yeah, there's a lot of kind of nitty gritty details going into that, but basically that they overcharged him in this case and kind of overplayed his involvement in the overall scandal. And the scandal involves um, First Energy, Akron-based utility, uh, gave something like more than $60 million to help elect Republican Larry Householder to pass this bill, House Bill 6, that included more than $1 billion worth of money and subsidies for these nuclear plants owned by, then owned by a subsidiary, and then defend that law against a ballot effort to block it. And Matt Borges really came in on that third part when they were trying to block it at the ballot box. He gave a $15,000 check to a political operative named Tyler Furman in exchange for information about how many signatures had been collected in the effort to block House Bill 6. And knowing the number of signatures that were collected could be really valuable information because you could know, hey, are they really close? Are they going to make the ballot? Do we need to start spending more money on advertising to convince people not to sign this, for example? Ultimately, Furman never gave Borges any valuable information. He went to the FBI and they started recording their conversations. So that's kind of the part of the scandal that he was involved in. And Borges is arguing that that really wasn't enough to tie him to this massive scheme. Yeah. And his attorney said basically that the judge, the prosecutors abused their authority and and convicting him, obviously some pretty strong words. I guess we'll see if that carries any water for an appeals court. But, you know, compared to householder sentence, which was 20 years, I don't know, zero years in prison is certainly better than five, but five is also better than 20. Correct. What has always been really interesting to me is that the prosecutors actually offered Borges a deal. The maximum would have been six months in prison, but he rejected it and wanted to go to court and prove his innocence. And so that was a decision that he made in this process. Obviously, everyone's entitled to go to court. So it'll be interesting. Some of the arguments he made was that either the judge allowed evidence in that he shouldn't have or should have allowed more evidence in, like that the House Bill 6 folks were consulting with attorneys frequently. What's the timeline for the appeals at this point? And it should be noted, too, that householders also appealing his conviction. Correct. I think that one will be interesting to see what argument he has, because I think it's just so much more obvious that Larry Householder was involved and really intricately involved in this particular scandal. So we'll see what arguments his attorneys come up with. The prosecutors are going to be able to reply to to Borges's arguments here and make their case. And it's going to take some time to move forward and really come up with the decision of whether he will get a new trial, whether he could be acquitted. 
All right. Our final topic for the day is tobacco, which is something that seems to be coming up a lot lately. The House also voted this week for a bill that would impose harsher fines on businesses that are repeatedly selling tobacco and vape products to people under 21, which is obviously not legal in the state of Ohio. Now, this vote came after they overrode DeWine's veto on local flavor tobacco bans. Why do Republicans think this bill on fines is different? Yeah. So talking with Representative Sarah Crothers, who's a sponsor on the bill, she's saying that this bill is needed to increase the penalties to try to put some teeth in it. So if teens are constantly able to get, you know, vapes or tobacco or so forth, that the the businesses and the stores that are providing them should be should face some harsher penalties. And that is a policy that if it's enacted would take effect statewide. The other legislation that was vetoed, at least in the House, would um, ban cities from setting their own rules about like banning flavored tobacco, for example, which was what Columbus did. And so that's a more piecemeal approach. It's saying, well, Columbus wants to restrict it this way and maybe Cleveland or Cincinnati wants to do it a different way or even closer. You know, maybe Gahanna wants to do it differently than Bexley in the Columbus area. And so a lot of retailers are concerned that that just creates a patchwork and kind of confusion for people who are going out and buying items. And DeWine's solution to that, as someone who really does not like flavor tobacco, very passionate about this issue, he said that the state should just impose a flavored tobacco ban statewide, which it does not seem like the legislature is interested in. The Ohio legislature is not very interested in doing that. Uh, DeWine's argument is that kids in particular are attracted to these like bubblegum, cherry, fruited flavors of tobacco. And then that kind of gets them in to the system of potentially, you know, smoking when they get older or just being addicted to nicotine. And so he's saying, you know, if we don't have these fun flavors, that that would reduce the amount of vaping and tobacco abuse among uh, young kids and teens and so forth. But these are also products that adults use and like. And so it's hard to kind of cut off access to everyone, I think. And one more thing before you go. The Ohio Republican Party was the first state party to endorse Trump for 2024, but apparently DeWine ready isn't ready to go that far yet. He said this week that it's too early to say who he's endorsing for president, and he was also mum on his preferred candidate for Ohio's Republican Senate primary. Yeah, I always find it really fascinating, the relationship between Governor DeWine and former President Donald Trump. They're both Republicans. They um, both agree on policies like getting more conservatives on the U.S. Supreme Court, but they're just not intrinsically that similar. And so DeWine has endorsed Trump in the past. Trump has endorsed DeWine in the past. But Trump in particular is very upset about um, DeWine's override on House Bill 68 that we discussed earlier. Yeah, Trump called him a stiff, so not too sure there's a lot of love between them right now. Yeah, the bromance is not alive and well. Ohio Politics Explained is brought to you by the USA Today Network Ohio Bureau. You can check us out on X, formerly known as Twitter, at Ohio Explained. 